Okay, well, let's uh, let's start with the, by reading the text together, or at least you can follow along either on the screen or as I read. Then Jesus said to them again, I'm going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from beneath, and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you, that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. But they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They do not understand that he spoke to them. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. So that's our, our text for Sunday morning. And Jesus is speaking, do you remember where, where it is that he's speaking? Uh, in the treasury, yes, and very generally speaking in the temple. Uh, you notice this passage kind of begins with, then Jesus said to them, so may not, you know, this may not be just an immediately proceeding on, or it may. That's John leaves us some room of uncertainty. But I, I wanted to clarify some things and maybe again put in clarity the, the imaging of the temple. Here is the temple and its maker. That's Herod. And this is how he made it. Um, what's that? Have I, I, pro I may have. I don't remember it. This man is Alec Garrard. He is a British farmer. He's with the Lord now. He died in 2010. But he built this model over a period of about 18 years. This model is a 20 foot by 12 foot model. And uh, he gives us testimony in, uh, if you can go on, on YouTube and you can see, uh, and I'm gonna show a clip of it about, I think it's maybe an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes of different episodes in the temple. He explains using his model. Uh, but he was, he was a farmer and he loved making models. And then he came to know Christ as a savior. And so that changed where he wanted to build models. His first model was the tabernacle, much smaller scale. And then he took on the 18-year project of building the temple of, the, of, of Herod. By the way, this book is um, all about his, with pictures of his, and I'll show a couple pictures of taken from here, but this is a book that gives a little bit of his story, but mainly describes the temple based on his model. So there are, uh, the, the construction is uh, baked clay that he paints to look like stones. Um, I think something like, I don't know about that. And it's then put onto a, a wooden frame to make it look more authentic. 
in this uh, model, you'll see people. There are about 4,000 figurines, wow. all of baked clay and hand-painted. Oh, wow. I think it was something like seven or eight hours per figure. Um, wow. Don't wait for me to, to do such a thing. <laughs> it's an incredible uh, undertaking. So again, here he is, and that, that kind of puts you in perspective of size. I think there's this painted wall behind him. Uh, that kind of tries to set the setting. We talked about last time the, um, you know, we were, one of the reasons I want to come back to this, the court of the Gentiles, the court of the women. And we were talking about where is the court of the Gentiles? Um, you see, this is the fence we talked about. This is the, the um, Sorek fence that is kind of built around the, the, the immediate temple precincts. So basically anything outside of that is court of the Gentiles, okay? But this is this is the fence where a Gentile could come into the court of the Gentiles and they could worship and they could enjoy all that time. Of course, that's also was overtaken at times by the, the marketplace, and that's why Jesus wanted to clear it out. Hey, the Gentiles, this is a house of prayer, and you turned it into a marketplace. I'm sorry, I'm sure you've already covered this. I wasn't here, but I always get very confused on where the wailing wall is. We covered it already. So, so moving on. Um, I'll, I'll show you an image that would, well, maybe I guess I can say this way. Um, so if this, where he, he, is, he is looking towards the east, so the temple opens towards the east, towards the sunrise, okay? So he's standing on the west side of the temple, which means to our left, to his right, is the south, and the other side is the north, okay? And so um, he is standing on the side where the, the, the Wailing Wall is, or the Western Wall, or Hakotel. It's basically like, at this point here, down several feet. So it's really not even part of the real Solomon symbol. I mean, it's just really a wall way out. It's, it's part of the retaining wall yeah. around the, the Temple Mount structure. And that's all that's really left? Is just that part? Mm -hmm. Well, yes. You know, it's, it's down beneath. And, and, and throughout Israel, in these old structures that are, have a Herodian heritage, you can always spot a Herodian stone because they kind of chisel a, um, a, a border around the stone. And so that goes up a couple of layers there. Yes? Where is the dome of the rock? How far out? Or is it just like... And, and yeah... The Dome of the Rock, there's two different theories. One theory is it's right under the Holy of Holies, right over with the Holy of Holies. Okay. And some put it offset a little bit and say that the temple is really to the north of that. And where is the Muslim shrine that's now present there? Where does it sit in that picture? Are you talking about the Dome of the Rock or the... the okay, I'm sorry. I'm... The gold Muslim thing? The gold Muslim thing. Where does it sit? That's the Dome of the Rock. That's the Dome of the Rock. And then where because is... What, what, where what's is in the where, Dome of the Rock? Nothing. The rock. A rock. A rock. Thank you. <laughs> and then where was Abraham's sacrifice? The best of... The, the traditional understanding is there. On that rock. Okay. Which... And the Jews would... Or the Muslims would say, I think, from there is where um, Muhammad took his night vision travel uh, into heaven. <laughs> so, yeah, none of those things appear here. 
the main thing here is to notice the barrier. And I mentioned there was a there was a sign that has been discovered, and, and here it is. This is called the Sorag inscri inscription. It's written in Greek, and it, it basically says, as, there's a translation down here, no foreigner shall enter within the balustrade or the fence or the rail um, of the temple, and whoever shall be caught shall be responsible for his own death that will follow in consequence of his trespassing. So it's kind of like a, the Texas no trespassing signs, trespassers will be shot, and we are not responsible. So if you cross this line, you die, and it's your own fault. So that we have, they, that was in a couple of places. So, so going, if I can put it now in this way, so this is a, this is the, um, the Jerusalem temple. Uh, this, this, this model is at the um, uh, Israel Museum. And so this also is a, uh, they actually use stone, and it's all to scale. Every time a new discovery is made, they, they alter this thing. But you, you're basically looking at the same angle. And so, again, Glenna, the wailing wall kind of looks like here, but over on the other side. Okay. <clears throat> but to, then, to put in perspective, again, we're trying to talk about the courts. So here is the the wall that, that's around it. So you see it's it was pretty... The Gentiles had wide access to most of the Temple Mount, and so it wasn't a, a strong, a big area. Now this, again, this is back, and by the way, you can kind of see this back wall here is curved. That's because I'm taking this picture from the book, so it's, it's if you look carefully, there's the center area. But that gives you a sense of what's in the book. It's really some remarkable uh, pictures. I get no money for advertising this thing. But, you know, like this this is a different picture, but you you know there's some pretty good pictures they took of his work. So uh, th so that's this picture. Uh, one thing I want you to notice it, it, it here is um, here are people over here. Some of the four thousand figures he has there on this day. And, and, and they're coming up out of these steps. So you enter from below, about Wailing Wall height, and I'll show you in a minute where you would come in. Go up these stairs, you're still in the court of the Gentiles, and then you would, and so this is where I think the, um, the water would be brought in, the water libation would come up these stairs and come in from the water gate, and I'll show you the water gate later. This, is the Temple Mount. I mean, this is the uh, the women's court. So out here, Gentile. And then women's court is here. And then up here is where the priests go. We'll give more detail in a little bit. So as I said, the, you saw the people coming in from these steps here. They come up on these steps go up through and, and exit out here and into, into the Temple Mount. Does that make sense? And again, over on this side is on down at this level is where the, the Western the Wailing Wall is. And what's if you go to Israel today, you can sit on these steps and uh, think about the fact that Jesus walked up there and many others. So that kind of, again, gives you just some perspective on some of these things. 
Pastor, where would the treasury have been in here where Jesus was sitting in, in this chapter when he was talking about? Perfect question. Here in the in the in the uh, women's court. So along the walls, inside these little colonnades here where the pillars are, uh, this maybe even shows you better. So along back in here were, and, and I don't know if it's on both sides or just one side, but along the walls of the, of the women's court were these um, trumpet-shaped donation vessels. So instead of passing a plate, you would come over and put your money in and each one had a designated little sign telling you how it was designated, and uh, burnt offering, incense, and other things. So that was that's why they call sometimes it's called the temple, and it's also called the women's court because they're it's the same location. I'm trying to think what well, we, we do that sort of thing all the time. I can't think right now, right now, but where we talk we we might say describe a building or something in two different ways depends what we're thinking. About. So, but that's where he was. Pardon me? Yes. Fellowship right. Fellowship Yeah. Yes. The reason, I'm sorry, another question. Go ahead. Jake. The reason I asked that answer was second part that was where would the adulterous woman, ah. where would that have been? That also have been here in this same place. So, what about the adulterous woman? Um, my first thought is because she had been, you know, she was a sinful woman and caught in the act and all that sort of stuff, that she would not be brought into this proximity to the temple. But up here is where the Sanhedrin meets. So I don't know if she would have been brought here or if that would have been while he was speaking out here. It was common for rabbis to be in these, these outer colonnades out here, uh, cooler, uh, good acoustics, and often respected rabbis would, would 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 teach and preach in there. So some of this may have happened in there, and that may have happened out there. We're not told exactly. It's not until uh, after the, the the woman event that we we're told, and he was in the t the, the court of the temple. Right. That's that's what I was thinking because yeah. everyone leaves. Yes. Yes. He's there, and he's teaching them. So, yes, and so he might have gotten up and moved, or to, you know, into the more closer proximity over here. Right. Uh, you know, kind of because one of the things is, like as I said, the Sanhedrin are right up in here. This is their, this is practically like um, preaching on the courts of the in Capitol Hill. You know, the Sanhedrin was both their their Congress and their Supreme Court, and so to go and challenge their authority right. Right there is um, very, very confrontational in some ways and bold. Your ceremony of lights that you talked about, was yes. that also in this court? Yes, the ceremony of lights, and I'll point that out in just a moment. Yes. So the question is, were the lights in the Yes, that's, the lights were in here. Yes. And I, I was going to ask, I don't see them there. Are they just there during the festival, or are they? They're there. And here you see them. Wow. And by the way, you see one of these fellows. Oh. See, they had to climb the ladder, okay. and uh, there—I mean, there were gallons of all of you know the olive oil that they would put in there. And again, the wicks were the wick was that they burned was the left. You know, that's what you discarded. The um, you didn't just toss the priestly garments. You take you didn't take them to goodwill. You didn't throw them out in the trash. And so, 
what better way after they were no longer useful than that you burned them in holy oil uh, in worship. And so, so that's that. So there were four of these, as I mentioned, and that's specifically to, you know, told to us in the Mishnah, in the uh, section on the the, uh, the that's the the Mishnah again is the um, writing down of the oral traditions, which was written after the time of Jesus, traditions before, but it's pretty contemporary, and it tells us there were four of them that were lit in the early part of the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. Yes. Uh, maybe you want to repeat how it lit up all the cities around. Yeah, yes, and so it was so bright, these uh, huge torches, that they say that the, every courtyard in Jerusalem, and everybody in the most homes would have some sort of a courtyard, uh, the whole, all of Jerusalem was just lit up. Um, have you ever, you know, maybe been on a really bright full moon and you go out and it's just, uh, you, you, you know, practically feel like well, this was in a sense even more so, but it just that's why it was just a, just a very incredible uh, time of. Uh, did they stay there all year round? I I think they did. I haven't read anything that says they were removed. I don't, and I haven't read anything that says they were used at another time. Um, of course, you know, I'm not I'm not sure you want to move them and replace them and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, so that's what happens here. Um, is there anything else? And so this is how you get up to the course, courts where the priests are. So women could be all in this area. And you can see people could be up here as well. There's the lamp. And so here, this is, I think, uh, depicting maybe Jesus teaching. Uh, Right next to the lamp, and remember, and what's he saying? I am the light of the world. And after the water ceremony, he says, "Ah, you know, if you're thirsty, come to me. You know, don't don't count on this water." Yes. Uh, I want to get this all messed up, but I think there's a famous freeze where uh, some of the Jewish people, after being kicked out of uh, Jerusalem, and there's one gentleman uh, carrying uh, this. Item on his back, obviously that's too big. Would that have been from the Holy of Holies that they were carrying it? I think you're thinking of the Arch of, of Triumph in, in Paris, which was um, uh, the, or is that in Rome? But but the uh, but that that uh, depiction is or that no, it's Titus Arch. I'm sorry, the Titus oh, Arch. It's, Delta, it's yeah. in Rome. And that is actually the Romans carrying away the golden uh, menorah from inside the menorah. Menorah, yeah. Oh, okay. So that's a Roman guy. Yeah. And right. So that's why we know it's it's in the basement of the Vatican. Oh. We didn't know that. But <laughs> there, there, this is an ongoing discussion where many claim that some of these Herodian era or Second Temple, we call it era, uh, treasures may be stored in the Vatican. Wow. Like really and truly. Really and truly. Of course, not uh, not the Ark of the Covenant. That's but that size. That's in that's in the um, maybe it would have been in the Holy of Holies because it's big, but it's not these guys. Oh yeah, that's, yes. I mean the uh, Ark of the. I mean the if you go to if you go to Jerusalem today, you can stand next to their uh, what they have made for use as the lamp in this holy place, and I would say it's maybe a little taller than this ceiling here. And so and so yes, definitely you could haul it off. And, and again, the, 
that whole uh, the, arc, the Titus Arch is is helpful because it actually is a contemporary artistic representation of some of the items that came out of the temple. What is that made out of? That no, like I mean, not the like. The, 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 this one here, I would guess, would be probably um, bronze. The the menorah in the holy place is uh, gold. And is that accurate? The number of lives. Uh, it says in the, I think it says there are four um, lamps up on top for each one. So I'm not sure on that. You know, so, you know like, uh, yeah. You and know. they also call these menorahs? Yes, that was just basically just the lamps. They call them menorot, which means the plural, but we call them menorahs. Okay. <laughs> and that's the same thing as the Maccabee, uh, like when we do menorahs now, is that... The menorahs, uh, well, the, those menorahs are specific to um, to um, the festival of, of lights or Hanukkah. Yeah. Um, and that there are eight, actually nine um, candles. The metal candle is called the helper candle. You light that, and then you light the others off of that. And that's to represent the fact that they only had oil enough for one day for. Uh, a sacred oil, they it would take them a week, eight days to uh, prepare the sacred oil to be used in the temple. But somehow, a one day supply lasted eight days. And so, there one of the things they say is there was a great miracle there. Okay, so but they do look different though. So. Yes, they are different. Oh. And and the menorah in in the holy holy place is you know seven lights. And so if you notice, they tend to have odd numbers because it's evenly balanced in one of the center. And so that's why maybe they said, let's go ahead and put a fifth light here. Could be. Okay. Now I want to show you a little video narrated by Alec Garrard, just a clip of his um, presentation. Uh, just that's, that's really more uh, right in the passages we've been looking at in the Gospel of John. We'll see if it works. From time to time, he visits the temple, and especially at the time of the feasts. We read in John's Gospel how, of course, the priests were also political leaders. Legal and financial issues were also governed and controlled and dealt with here, and if anybody had anything to say of importance, it was absolutely necessary to come to this place to declare themselves. At first, Jesus is well received by everybody, but as his support grows, the opposition increases, especially because a lot of what he has to say is criticizing the authorities and the leaders within the temple. The Feast of Tabernacles involves many sacrifices and elaborate rituals that are carried out in the temple, and they last for seven days with one final day, which is the eighth day. This final day is a day of rejoicing. One of the rituals which is carried out is the carrying of water from the Pool of Siloam up to the temple and through the water gate 
there is a procession of people following the priest with the water, carrying palms and bowls of fruit. Here we can see the procession as it enters the court of the priests, and the priest carrying the golden vessel of water, which he will sprinkle all the way around the altar. When the water has been sprinkled all the way round the altar, the priests carrying the palms place them beside the altar and make booths for themselves where they can sit in and eat the fruit they are carrying. It is at this point at the Feast of Tabernacles when Jesus stands up and says that if anyone thirsts, they can come to him and he will give them living water. We can imagine, as he interrupts one of their major events, how furious the priests are. And yet, they remember what he says. He is saying that he can give life that no one else can give. It is at the Feast of Tabernacles that they pray for rain and for a prosperous coming year. And they know that without water, there can be no life. Jesus emphasizes this point and draws their attention to what he can give. The life that he can give if people will only trust in him. He can give a better quality of life than anyone else. The Feast of Tabernacles is really a grand harvest thanksgiving. This is the end of one year and the beginning of the next and they are thanking God for food he has provided them with, for the crops, the corn, and the fruit, and for the rain which enabled the crops to grow. It is also at the Feast of Tabernacles when the four giant lamps in the court of the women are lit. These are to give light at night when the festivities are carried on after dark. They are only lit about three times during the whole year, and this is one of them. They light up the temple and all Jerusalem, and it is said that the cast-off garments of the priests are used as wicks for these lamps. It is when these lamps are being lit that Jesus stands up and says, He is the light of the world. As with the water that gives life, the darkness which Jesus lights up is not the natural darkness, but the darkness of not understanding. It is lit up by the enlightenment and power of God's love. Jesus declares himself to be the light of the world. As time passed, the opposition grew and the chief priests and Pharisees and scribes tried everything to condemn Jesus and to find some way of getting rid of him. On one occasion, when he is in the temple, they bring a lady whom they have caught in the act of committing adultery. They know how Jesus emphasizes the law and how he is also ready to proclaim God's mercy and they wonder how he will get out of this situation when they take the woman to him and ask what they should do with her because according to the law 
execution bestowed. As they question him, he ignores them, and because they think they have trapped him, they continue to question him, and he stoops down and writes on the ground. We don't know what he writes, but it seems his accusers know, and they suddenly realize that Jesus knows far more about them than they had appreciated. And so they turn away and leave the woman alone with Jesus. Jesus looks up at her and says, has no one condemned you? And she says, no one. And he says, neither do I. But go and sin no more, unless something more terrible should befall you. You can tell he's a scholar because he has a British accent. <laughs> Any comments or questions on that? Okay. Well, I, I guess I, uh, I thought he said, um, any of you without sin be the first one to throw is that another lady or my No, that's, that's this. He okay. just kind of abbreviated the, oh, the narrative. Okay. So what's the significance of building the boom and the, the king of the, the booths uh, were that was commanded in the scriptures and they live you know, in that booth they eat, take their meals and spend the night in those booths uh, every Israelite all throughout, all throughout Israel really all throughout the world and they do that to remind them of the living in the temporary housing for the 40 years in the wilderness and so it's one of those things to kind of remind them of what it was you know, God's mercies during that time God provided water God provided light and, and so the whole time is, is sort of a, uh, a, a visible reminder, just like the bread is a visible reminder of, the, of Jesus, the cup, his blood. So, that, so this, this is one of those visible reminder things. So during the Feast of Tabernacles, only the high priest or the priests are the only ones that build the booths in the temple courtyard, you think? Uh, I was not, uh, I have not checked out, I have not heard about the building of the booths in the in the. Because he was just mentioning that yes. they, they put the palms to, to make the boots. Um, there. I was, I've not heard that before here. It's, it may be true. I just haven't seen it. But everyone else does it in their courtyards and in their house. In fact, um, um, I'm going to go back for a little bit if I can. I don't know if I'll, how far I have to go. Close. Um, 
So here is uh, Brooklyn, New York. You see people building their booths out on their little landings or whatever you want to call those. They're, what would you call them? Balcony. Balcony. Um, this is in Israel, in the um, very religious, the Orthodox um, Hasidic neighborhood. And so they put up other booths, you can see, on balconies and everywhere else. And I showed last time, I, had, I was not aware of this until getting ready for these. Um, here's a portable booth. And so if you don't have time to, to build one, I guess you get, you know, it's kind of like the an Uber booth, you know, so you can go in there and say your prayer and move on. Um, and you get, you know, you get some uh, Gentile, see that and think, oh, he has, that looks like something else. And so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to be very guarded. But, but anyway, so that, so everybody, but so everybody's supposed to build them in it. So it's kind of a, um, like a camping, a week of camping. It, and it's one of those things that, you know, again, the kids are saying, dad, we got a house in there. You know, we got the widescreen TV is in there. You know, all that. Why are we out here? Well, this is to remind us that we were in the wilderness for 40 years. And, you know, so it's one of those things that really, um, you know, that's the time to teach those things. And so I, I was thinking as we we're talking, uh, do we have anything like that, that where we kind of recreate to remind us of history and to teach those lessons in, say, American culture? Thanksgiving. Okay, Thanksgiving. Yeah. What do we do? We eat turkey because they eat turkey. We watch football because they watch football. <laughs> yeah, we, um, you know, so, but yes, they, we, we, that's, we, that's a good, we recreate that, that time. The manger scene at Christmas. Oh, the manger scene at Christmas reminds us of that. We, we, and we, Fourth of July. Fourth of July. How does that? What do we do that reminds us of Fourth of um, Fourth of July? Fireworks. Fireworks, kind of, yeah. Uh, so, so we do some things like that. Some things I think we miss our opportunities. Memorial Day, we cook hot dogs. You know, but but a lot of times there are Memorial Day services and other things. So I'm going to scoot ahead here. I knew I had those pictures somewhere. Yeah. Cool. And I'll just mention again, if you want, if you can't find it, uh, text me and I'll, or whatever, and I'll point you to how you can find the uh, temple video if you want from Alec Gerard. Okay, so we're, so I want to give you that temple background. Let's go a little bit more, just again, on the courts. We've seen there the women's court. We talked about the Gentile court. Here's the lamps, the model. Um, and so here again, you can kind of see where the court, court of the Gentiles, the wide area around. Um, but we talked about last time, and it was, you know, and here, and you see the court of the women, right? Don't you? Uh, so you see the court of the women or the treasury area. But we saw, I think last time, and I was a little confused, mention of the court of the Israelites. And, and so I did some more research. And that is the court of the Israelites. So the Israelite men, that's a court de dedicated to their usefulness. So when we say court of the women, that's uh, Jewish women and men. Uh, otherwise, in the Gentiles, it's Jewish men, women, Gentile men, women. Court of the women, Jewish women and men. Court of Israel is Jewish men and priests. And then up those little stairs right there, court of the priests. And so then only the priests can be in here. Okay. And here's just one more picture. 
and, and I wanted to point you uh, that the video, Alec uh, Garrard was talking about the water gate. It's this gate here where they bring in the pitcher of water and go in here and there's the altar. So, And there were chambers as a part of the uh, women's courtroom, we'll get into all the details. But this again is a good representation of the temple of Jesus today. So, so um, this was very much a part of the fabric of life for the New Testament in first century believers. So it's good for us to be aware of. So let's get back to our, our passage then. Again, we kind of, I always like to set the context historically, geographically. So in this passage, question for you, we like to sometimes ask ourselves the question, do you, do you see any repetitions in this text? I think jump out as we're going through here, kind of repetitive. Die in your sins. Die in your sins. Okay. Any other repetition? I'm leaving. You can't go with me. Okay, I'm leaving. You can't go with me. Yeah. Okay. Any other jump out at you? Um, there's kind of a picture of three dying years, three times in five verses, four verses actually, he, say, he uses that expression, you're going to die in your sin. I think that's important. So as we're reading through this, we have to stop and think, why is Jesus saying that? What does he mean by that? What does it mean to die in your sin? And then just uh, something else that strikes me is that expression, I am he. Now look at that in green. I'm going to show you the next verses. Have it again. Um, as you can see there. What do you notice about that? I am he. He's the Messiah. Okay. Well, I'm probably cheating because I've been reading this in Spanish, but it's really cool. They'll just take yo soy. They just make it extra capitalized and just I am. They don't even go with the he or anything else. And so it just uses the name of Jehovah, just I am. Yo soy, is that anything like organic soy? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not one you eat. It's all soy sauce here. <laughs> uh, yes, and that's that's um, that's what's going on in the Greek. Um, and I've used this phrase, so I'll use it again. A go, a me. A go is I. And we, we hear that word all the time in psychology. Ego. It's a go, I in Greek. A me is word I am. Um, and so, it, but there's no... No, no object. I am, or, you know, I am what? And so they even ask him um, the first time, uh, I think, they said to him, who are you? I am, who are you? But what he says is, if you do not believe that I am, and they know what that phrase means. That, uh, that, that goes back to Exodus when, again, at the, guard, at the burning bush, when um, Moses met uh Met, met the Lord there and the bush remember it was burning and he said I'm going to step aside and see what's going on I see the fire but it's not burning up what's going on here God says go and speak to my people and he says who shall I say sent me and he says uh, tell them I am and it's the same phrase that was written that's in Hebrew but when, when it was translated by Jews 250 years before Christ they used the phrase they go and mean I am so when Jesus uses that and then uses it twice you must believe that I am. Um, that's significant. That's significant to John. John, uh, what, what, how does John begin his book? 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Yeah. So he talks from the very beginning. You must believe. I mean, you got to understand this as he starts off. We're going to be talking about the fact that Jesus is God. And so, if that I used, it, I looked up the Greek expression, but they, in, in the gospel, just John eight is really emphasizing that one, two, three, four, five times in one chapter, he uses that expression. And I like especially the last one when Jesus says, "Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am." That's incredible. You can say so better. Did you raise hand? Please so, not. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so that's an important thing. What he's saying is, you must believe that I am. And 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 if you don't, I'm going back. You're gonna die in your sins. You will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. What do you think? What does that mean? That expression. You will die in your sins. What do you think that might mean? Without knowing Jesus as Savior, you're not yep. covered by His blood. You're standing on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're standing. You're on your own. And um, you know, some of you have a mud room, and if you don't, if you have kids, then you have a mud house. <laughs> you know, but a mud room is where you shed the stuff so you don't contaminate the house. And um, what he's saying is you're going to carry your mud right into the presence of God. You will give an account for your sin. If you don't believe that I am, you are going to be wearing your guilt instead of my righteousness. Um, and so, I, so, and then they say to him, who, so who are you? And he says, just what I've been telling you from the, the beginning. You know, and parents, have you ever had this expression? You say something to your child and they say, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> How many times <laughs> have I said that exact phrase? What do you mean you didn't know? Um, and and so that what he's saying, I'm just telling you what I've been telling you from the very beginning. And if you don't believe, and but again, he's making he's making himself the issue of salvation. Well, there's a lot of other things to look at in this passage. He says, I'm going away, and you will seek me. What's he talking about there? So that's something you could be uh, thinking about. Um, I think we'll stop there, but I just want to raise some questions for you. Yes. On the them, the very first lines, is the them the crowds or is the them crowds plus religious leaders? Uh, you just said to them. So is I would there say anything more specific? It's, well, if you look at it earlier on, he was talking, it talked about the Pharisees. So definitely the religious leaders but the crowd as well and then so at the beginning he says I'm going away you'll seek me you'll die in your sin and then this section closes with the phrase as he spoke these words many believed in him okay so you know so there's some things to think about in this passage I just I want to leave you with some things to meditate on for discussion of that Sunday morning. Yes? Uh, it mentioned that Herod was the second temple. Yep. And as far as I know, Ezekiel's temple is, I guess, in the millennium or something, or in heaven. But what about Zerubbabel's temple? I thought that was the second one, and Herod's was the third. 
Yeah, these are the common um, labels. We say, we speak of Solomon's temple as first temple, so we don't really can't count David's tabernacle. The first temple of Solomon, destroyed by the Babylonians. The second temple under Zerubbabel, built with the help and, or the provision and the authority of Persia. But um, then when Herod came along, he did a massive remodel. So it's still considered second temple because it's the same temple but remodeled um, and like most remodeling projects it took decades but that was the second temple and then that's destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans so talk of a third temple is um, you, some would you know, of course the Jews debate will that happen before or after Messiah comes the third temple will be the temple where the Antichrist sets up the worship of himself that's the tribulation temple. And then Ezekiel describes the millennial temple. So there's at least four temples in Scripture. So Satan will just use what's there and contaminate it. He's going rebuild it. Well, it, it will be rebuilt, uh, I'm guessing, by the you know, by the Jews and 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 it's Antichrist Daniel 9, 27. He's going to allow them to resume sacrifices. Um, so it'll be a place of Jewish worship. But then he will co-opt it um, at the midpoint of the tribulation. Well, I think we will stop there. Mostly, you know, you know, you know me. I like to give you some of the background stuff, so we want to talk a little more about that temple thing. It sure makes it clearer because you read all this, but you just don't really have a clue where it is in your brain, and that really helps. Yes, that's that to me is it, now you can kind of see yeah. um, what's happening in your mind. Right? So I think that is valuable. Okay, let me turn this off. It also makes you see how it's on the mount. You know, taking those stairs all the way. Because uh, I, I never, I mean, I knew Jerusalem was supposed to be up here somehow, but I never could quite figure out. It's almost like an Acropolis or something. Yes, yeah, something like that. And it's been, and this is um, spaciously. That's about thirty-six acres up there. 